Welcome to the Gospel Rain Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Dr. Matt Brown and Dr. Micah Carter. We hope you will find gospel-centered answers to your questions about theology and the Christian life. And now, we welcome you to the Gospel Rain Conversation. Welcome to the Gospel Rain Podcast. We're glad you're back with us. To This is part six of our study in the Baptist Faith and Message, and we're actually covering, uh, beginning to talk about Article 4 in the Baptist Faith and Message, which is the article on salvation. So I'm sitting across the table from Micah today, and we're going to sort of continue. And let me just uh, let you know if you're picking up with this part first, uh, let me just encourage you, you can go back and find uh, the previous episodes on the Baptist Faith and Message, especially our introductory episode. Right. We look back at sort of the introduction of the Baptist Faith and Message, what it is, where it came from, why it was written, and when it was written, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you can go back and find that. It'll take you just a little bit of time to sort of catch up. But we'd encourage you to do that because now we've uh, we've progressed through just a little bit to now get to Article 4. So anyway, Michael, let's talk about uh, the article on salvation. Now, we were talking sort of pre-production meeting mm-hmm. on this uh, on this doctrine, what we believe as Southern Baptists, that there's been quite a bit of change in how we reflect or say what we believe about salvation. I don't know, maybe not a whole lot of change about what we believe, mm-hmm. maybe some, but a lot of change about how we've said what we believe from 1925 when the Baptist Faith and Message was originally written to 1963 when this article was really revamped Mm -hmm. and then in 2000 which is what we have now so let's look at it you've had a sort of comparison of all these different things show us a little bit about how or tell us how some of these uh this article has changed over time well you're right you're right that it has changed significantly especially from the 25 to the 63 uh, revision keep in mind that the original 25 statement was based on the New Hampshire Confession of Faith. So it reflects more the language of that Confession of Faith than what the 63 changed. Um, and let me, let me, so let me say this, too, just to sort of yeah. catching us up a little bit. Just so people understand, Southern Baptists and Baptists way before Southern Baptists have been confessional people. Right, we've not been creedal. Yeah, we, that's we right. mentioned that we've been confessional people for a long time. So there've been other confessions written and statements of faith written way before the Baptist faith and message. So yeah, we're we stand in a long stream of people that have done this. We're we're not the first to have come up with a that's statement right. on what we believe. So you talk about one, the New Hampshire Confession, but there yeah. were others before that too. Second London Confession. Yeah, a couple of others. Uh, Presbyterians have you know the Westminster Confession of Faith, and Lutherans have confessions as well. Of course, you know, as we pointed out before, our sole authority as Southern Baptists is the Bible, the right. Holy Scripture. Having said that, when you start doing theological uh, synthesis from the Bible, it's helpful to summarize what we mean by certain doctrines. And that's that's why a confession like the Baptist Faith and Message is so helpful, because yeah. it, it, it clarifies, you know, we can just list a bunch of Bible verses and say, go figure it out for yourself. That's right. But we've synthesized those things. In this way. Now, when it comes to the article of salvation, um, that, you know, Moeller, Al Moeller, president of Southern Seminary, wrote a chapter in the book that you and I have referenced before called Baptist Faith and Message 2000, edited by Doug Blunt and Joseph Waddell. And, man, that's a good chapter. If, if you're listening and you have a copy of that book, I encourage you to read that. We'll talk about several things that, that Moeller has to say. But I think he's right when he says the article of salvation is... Um, 
is probably one of the most important pieces of this confession because it bridges uh, humanity and sin with the doctrine of church and the Christian life. And how do you put all this together? Well, the heart of it is salvation. Hmm. Now, in the 1925, man, if you had a chance to have a comparison of these three side by side, uh, it was radically changed in 63. Not necessarily in content, Mm -hmm. but certainly in format, certainly in language. I think there was much, I think they simplified a lot of it, they reformatted a lot of it, and the 2000 retained much of what the 63 had to do. Um, One one major thing I'll point out in the article is when, when the 25 was written, it it couched salvation more prominently in the work, person and work of Christ as a mediator, as prophet, priest, and king. The opening statement they have called the way of salvation is pretty much Christology. Hmm. Whereas when you get into the 63 and the 2000, there's none of the mediating work of Christ, none of that. And Moeller sees that as a deficit that generations of Southern Baptists have been at a, at a loss and a deficit because— that's a good connection to make, and so it should have been retained in some way, so but it he, wasn't. He thinks then not enough of that re- was retained in the doctrine of God, right? Uh, God the Son. Right. So some of that was not retained enough. He said, "Okay, it, it's it's there, but when you're bridging, you know, and one of my one of my uh, criticisms of of this statement is you don't really have you don't really have a clear understanding of union with Christ." And the 25 is is trying to do that with the mediating work of Jesus and all those kind of things. So in the 63 and the 2000, you have Christ is there. Obviously, he's the he is the mediator. He is he is the one uh, that we base our salvation on and through. Yet it's not explicit like it is in the 25. Okay. So okay. Well, let me read uh, the first part of this article. We're gonna we're gonna break this up into uh, separate. Uh, episodes because of the length of the article. And so let me just read the first paragraph. And then after the paragraph, there are sub-paragraphs. It's all still one article, Mm -hmm. uh, but there are paragraphs under that that are broken up, and we're going to take those uh, sub-paragraphs in different episodes. So let me just read the Okay, just a note on that as you begin to read. The sub-paragraphs in the 63 and 2000 were standalone articles in the 25. Gotcha. So they they synthesized all of it into a, a true article. One single article. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, good. All right, so let me read the first paragraph. It's only yeah, two sentences, two longer sentences. Salvation involves the redemption of the whole man and is offered freely to all who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who by his own blood obtained eternal redemption for the believer. In its broadest sense, salvation includes regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification. And then the third sentence, there is no salvation apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Right. So very succinct because there are going to be other things that are going to be dealt with in the sub-paragraphs. Regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification, all those are mentioned by word in the first paragraph, and then each of those are broken up in the uh, more specifically, in the, yeah, in the sub paragraphs. Yeah, just a note on on what's unique in the two thousand from the sixty three is that uh, they added the word justification to the list. Regeneration, okay, uh, justification. It's not in the sixty three, although the paragraph on justification that they both share is the same. They just they wanted to clarify that that was a standalone 
topic of salvation. What a look I- All right, so let me ask you, in the 25 then, mm-hmm. in the 1925 version, are the issues of regeneration, justification, sanctification, glorification mentioned at all in detail? Justification, yes. Repentance and faith, sanctification, and that's about it. Okay, so you really regeneration don't... is, but it's it's um, it's buried in uh, it's buried in another. Okay, so you don't really have piece. the 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 explanation of justification as much there or glorification. Justification is there. There is nothing on glorification in the twenty five, which is okay. odd. Okay, so that's <laughs> but, not. I yeah. wonder. So that's not gonna. I wonder if that's going to be found at all in the 1925 Baptist faith and message. Not glorification. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. It's, it, and that's one thing Moeller points out in his, in his chapter is that this is really strange because it's it's biblical hope. I mean, there is a consummation yeah. of salvation. Titus calls this the blessed hope, right? Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting that they left that out. And I think it, it speaks to, you know, the the careful deliberation of the 63 committee to put that in there. I think they were right to do that. In this way. So justification. And then you read the last sentence. There's no salvation apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Yeah. Statement about the exclusivity of the gospel. That you have to have personal faith in Jesus to be saved. Why did they add that? Well, in in the 63 and really flowing from that into the 80s, 1980s, uh, especially with moderate believers and, and theologically liberal believers, there was such a huge groundswell toward uh, inclusivism, you know, in our seminaries, among our, you know, the- theological, you know, faculty, meaning it, that it's still in Christ. It's not universalism. No, right, they, they right. But they were saying you, you could still be saved through Christ by means of other religions or not even at all. I mean, some people would say you could be an anonymous Christian, not even know Jesus, not live for him, not confess him, but you're still saved through his work. Yeah. And even extended to, uh, through some saying, you could be saved after you die, which is through post-mortem evangelism. So committee was aware of that coming into the 2000, and they wanted to say, look, we've got to say something explicit about express faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Okay. So they, they added that. I think it was the right thing to do, yeah, and I'm glad I, I like they that. did. Yeah, I like yeah. You, I'm glad that you clarified that. Let's... Let's walk through this paragraph just a little bit and let you parse some of this stuff out uh, for us as to what these things mean mm-hmm. uh, theologically and, and why they're important for us to say these things and reflect them in a, um, in, a, in a statement of faith like this. So the first sentence or the first uh, part of the first sentence, salvation involves the redemption. And here's a, um, here's a phrase that I want you to clarify for us and why we say this. The redemption of the whole man. Mm-hmm. Explain why the whole man is important for us to say when when because we talk about redemption we we would say you know and people say this all the time yes i'm redeemed i've, I've yeah. been redeemed what we mean by that biblically is mm-hmm. is that we've been redeemed wholly fully but, but a lot of people may not understand exactly why we would clarify it that way so mm-hmm. so clarify what that means you and i probably use different terminology today you know for example that the gospel applies to all of life that when you're saved it's more than just fire insurance getting you out of hell mm-hmm. You know, getting your ticket into heaven, whatever the case may be, it's more than just the redemption of the soul, as Paul says in Romans chapter eight. It's you know the redemption of our bodies too. That's right. Everything. Now it's interesting to me that you pick up on that phrase, and 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 you and I are looking at this 
holistically as I think they were too. But Moeller points out that alongside of that statement was probably a growing concern for psychology, social sciences, and therapeutic um, okay. aspects yeah. of okay. what was going on in Christianity yeah. at the time. And so they retained it in the 2000, but I got a sense in his in his chapter that he was critical of that, that he didn't, he's not taking it necessarily that you and I are saying, yeah, the gospel is more mm, than just get out of hell free. It's it's for the whole person, for all of life, et cetera. But he's saying, I think there's probably a deeper concern culturally going on in the 63 movement that informed that particular phrase for the whole man. Okay. Makes sense. Inter- yeah, that may, that's interesting. All right. So look at the last part of the sentence then, uh, or the next uh, phrase in the sentence. It says, and is offered freely to all who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yeah. Now, let me just ask your opinion here. Um, we get to the the word uh, offered freely to all who accept Jesus Christ. This, in Baptist theological circles, there's been uh, argument, debate back and forth about that word accept. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think... I think it's explained here. I think "accept" is explained here, um, as in the rest of the the the, uh, the article as to what we mean by that. But some have have uh, cried foul when it comes to that word "accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior." Um, what do you think about that? Is this is this yeah. reflective of of what we believe the Bible teaches in in biblical words? I guess is my question. There's been some of that, you know, just over the last, I guess, couple of decades, people have really sort of nitpicked about that word. What do you think? Oh, for sure. You know, I think of, you know, for example, David Platt, you can Google this video where he's super critical of using the terminology, ask Jesus into your heart. Yeah. yeah. J.D. Greer is as well. Um, Accept is an interesting word to me. Um, I would have preferred that the 2000 change it to trust Jesus Christ. Mm Mm-hmm as Lord and Savior, because accept, accept gives, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, it, it almost gives an implicit sense of this is an intellectual embrace of the gospel. The go- Salvation is more than that. It includes that, but it's more than that. Right. It is, as you were saying earlier, laying hold of Christ, mm-hmm. trusting him, resting in him and his work, his finished work on the cross and resurrection. So, yeah, I do think it it may have had some unintended consequences in terms of evangelistic methodology, but I'm not I'm not opposed to what it's trying to say. Yeah. I just think it's not maybe as precise as trust would be. Yeah. As we're trying to really unpack what it means for the gospel to to redeem the whole man. Yeah, I think that's helpful. When you use a word that I think is helpful is precise. Mm-hmm. You know, we we talk about the need to be precise. You know, I teach church history, and this is one of the things that we learn all through church history is a lot of the debating through church history on theological issues is the matter of precision. You know, we can say some of the same things. Sounds really like we're saying the same thing. But when we get down to precision, Mm -hmm. we're trying to really slice pretty thinly our words and choose our words very, very carefully. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't disagree with the word. I right. don't necessarily right. not like the word. Right. Um, but, but when it gets to precision, there might be words I might choose over that word. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, again, some people really have a problem with that. I don't, I don't think I really have a problem with the word. It just, right. You know, I, and I, I don't, I, I don't just, either. Like you're saying, I think if you and I were teaching this to our churches or, or whatever, we would spend a little time 
unpacking that. Yeah. Is that is that uh, is that same thing in all three? Twenty five sixty three. Not in the twenty five. No. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, no the the article the article in twenty five doesn't have that language. Um, okay. It's very heavily weighted toward uh, really the work of God right, upon right, us right. and in us, rather than you know our response specifically. Either it does talk about repentance and faith, but it's not it's not framed up in that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, just curious. All right, let's look at the next part. Who by his uh, own blood obtained eternal redemption for the believer? Right. Okay. Yep. I, I don't. That's that's good. That to me, self-explanatory, right? But I it yeah. is, and I think I think that's somewhat of a hat tip toward the medi- mediatorial work of Jesus in the twenty-five. Um, to be clear, when we mean salvation, we mean salvation provided by Jesus, His shed blood. Um, and that language, eternal redemption, is going to link up with Article 5 later on God's purposes of grace with election and perseverance and those things. This is this is God's plan A. Um, mm. He's not surprised by it. I mean, I mean the, the Lord is working out his redemptive purpose. And so eternal redemption, I think, is right. And it clarifies for the believer. For, yeah, mm-hmm. right. For, for those who believe. He did it for the believer. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, so the next sentence, in its broadest sense, salvation includes regeneration. And here's these four terms that we will uh, parse out a little bit more, particularly in uh, 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 the following episode. But mm-hmm. w- these four words, we'll take them sort of together. Regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification. So salvation includes all of these things. Okay, there, Salvation includes more than these things, probably, we should say. But in these four words, in these four Four terms yeah. would include most everything that we're saying about salvation. We, yep. and what I mean by that is, we use other theological words besides regeneration, justification. That's right. Like repentance, you've been talking about, which is not one of those words. Calling, right? But yep. but it's found in these four words. Okay, we could say. But let's look at these things as a whole then. So we explain how these four words all fit together to. To uh, to explain salvation in its broadest sense. Well, as you and I teach theology, we we recognize that there is an objective sense of salvation and a subjective sense of salvation, meaning uh, what is worked upon us and what is worked for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, regeneration and um, sanctification are worked upon us. So we have we have this subjective sense where we are transformed. Uh, initially in salvation and continually through uh, being conformed to the image of Christ. But then you have justification, which is completely the work of God. We have no part in in justifying ourselves. Mm -hmm. It is his declaration of righteousness over us and acquittal of our sins. And then glorification, which we have no part of. He's the one who finalizes and consumes or, or consummates our salvation. So it's kind of start to finish. You know, theologians talk about in Ordo salutis, an order of salvation, and so I guess you could say, in a in a very in a nutshell, start to finish regeneration. Yeah, to some order to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. even though, uh, as Moeller points out in his chapter in the book, I don't think I don't think the Baptist faith and message is designed as an order of salvation. Um, it's kind of forward looking at times. It looks back at times. It's comprehensive at times, and so it's not you know from here to here necessarily okay uh yeah so i think this what you just said there is very helpful and where i think a lot of southern baptists 
need to be aware and need to respect the way this was, the spirit in which this was written, right. not to include an ordo salutis, right. the order of salvation, right. or not to not to parse out one person or a committee's view of the order of all of those things, faith and repentance and regeneration, justification, all those. Okay. So let me explain what I mean by that is I think some of the debate and the, let me beyond debate into division Mm -hmm. that happens among brothers. When we get to talking about the issues of salvation, of course, the issues of Calvinism and all those thing, kind of things come up. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is involving the argument of ordo salutis, yeah. the order of salvation. Right. In other words, am I regenerated as a result of my faith, or is 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 faith also something given to me at the same time regeneration is, right. or what? So and so, there's a lot of debate on, and so we disagreed, and people get angry with each other about what they think about all this kind of stuff. It, as Dr. Mulder said, it was very intentional mm-hmm. that that we left that out of here because I think the implication is we can have brothers anywhere along that spectrum yeah. who believe differently on the order of salvation, the order of things, mm-hmm. and all still believe right. in the things mentioned in the Baptist faith and message. That's right. So the, That's right. the, it, it creates an umbrella for us. Uh, under which we hold these doctrines all together in unity, and at the same time, under that umbrella, we can agree to disagree with each other when it comes to the particulars. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, because when you when you look at the Baptist faith and message ways written now, uh, if there, if this was an ordo salutis, then why does the doctrine of election follow glorification? Right, so because it's, the doctrine of election comes in Article Five, because a whole other article. Yeah, right? so this simple statement that, in the broadest sense, salvation includes these four things, it's not saying there isn't more because there is the biblical doctrine of adoption, calling, you know, a whole lot of things as you mentioned earlier, and it's not saying that there is a particular ordering. Even though next episode we'll talk about the relationship of repentance, faith, and regeneration. That you can look at this statement and you could conclude regeneration precedes faith. Mm-hmm. You can look at this statement and you can conclude regeneration follows faith. Mm-hmm. You can look at this statement and conclude they're simultaneous. Mm-hmm. So your point's very well taken that, you know, I mean, if you want to pick a bone, I guess you can. But it's it's really not helpful to do that on the basis of the Baptist faith and message because it's a big kind of a big tent. Yeah. Article. Yeah, and I, and I like that. I I really do. I mean, I I can look at some of this and I can disagree with personally on some things, but if I look at all of these different terms given to us, regeneration, justification, sanctification, glorification, I I look at all that. Okay, I agree with that. That's sure. all. That's that's biblical, and that is what we believe as Southern Baptists. Now, right. within the Southern Baptist camp, it's okay. We can agree to disagree on those things, and yeah. and and not murder each other over all that's that. Right. And I that's and I think this is where guys have really we've gone off the rails a little bit with some with some of our our brothers. Is that uh, is that I don't know why, but we've tended to uh, not just disagree, but but get violent almost with each other, get militant with each other, cut each other off, and you know, no more fellowship with you kind of thing. And I don't like him anymore. And it's, I mean. Yeah, I, I think there's some there's a lot of room here, and I think we need to be okay with that. And I really so because of that, I really like the way the the, the article is laid out for us. Um, I do too. I, I do too. And we're going to get into some more specifics in the next couple of episodes. But I think 
if we were going to maybe tie a bow off on this one, it, it's it's a good article. You know, Moeller Moeller basically said the 2000 committee. Why do we keep talking about Moeller? Well, he was a part of the revision committee for the 2000. Yeah, yeah. And he he wrote the chapter. And he wrote the chapter on on this. So he gives a lot of behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. But he he said that the 2000 committee found nothing fundamentally wrong with the 63 statement as it dealt with salvation. And I think that's that's a very positive thing to say with the exception that the the most significant change Moeller said in this article was the exclusivity of Christ was just adding that sentence to clarify it wasn't about order of salutis it wasn't you know it wasn't about any of those in-house debates it was moreover hey we want to be clear are we talking about the broad sense of salvation biblically and giving our giving our denomination of churches both a confession to trust in and to proclaim and I think I think they achieved that. I do too. And I, I think this is, as a pastor, and I, you know, speaking maybe to some pastors, this is a you know a great tool to be able to use within the fellowship of the church is to take the Baptist faith and message and teach it, mm-hmm. teach it, figure out a way to do that on Wednesday night or a Sunday night, something like that. Teach through the Baptist faith and message, and uh, of course, you know, all the all the articles have all you know scriptures and everything that that go with it, and there are books like we're talking about, good resources out there that can help you study all this because our our folks sitting in our pews in Southern Baptist churches every Sunday need to know what these things say. Right. And they don't have to have them memorized, but they need to understand what is regeneration and how is that different from justification and how is that different from sanctification and glory. Because we're going to use some of these terms. And now some people, I would say, avoid these terms from the pulpit because they're Mm -hmm. they're church words Mm -hmm. and they don't want to get... I don't avoid these words from the pulpit. I use right, them. I do too. I just want to make sure my people understand what they do mean. Right. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with using them. And, uh, now, and let me ask you this as a pastor. Yeah. Um, have you taught on this before congregation-wide? I have. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, have. That, it's, that's good. It, it's been a few years ago. I did. I went through the Baptist Faith and Message. And actually, with that study that I did, uh, I actually uh, ordered these workbooks that I'm that I'm I've got in front of me uh, that I've I've mentioned actually right. as a oh, resource. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um it's a workbook uh put together or I guess edited by or written by uh Chuck Kelly and Richard Land and Dr. Moller. That's probably a winter Bible study at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it may have been. Okay. I, I don't remember. But I, Lifeway. I, I did it just yeah. a few years ago. It was put out by Lifeway and and uh and so there's a lot of th- you know, fill in the blank kind of things. Yeah, and yeah. Look this up and see what you think about that. And so it's really cool and I use that and then uh, life, or I guess Southern Baptist Convention has always, I suppose they still do, print just a pamphlet of right. the Baptist Faith and Message. It right. It's not a, a workbook. It's just, yeah, it's just a little pamphlet. And so I gave those out to all my folks. And and uh, and we just sort of, we took time uh, each week walking through one article at a time and That's teaching awesome. through it. Well, I mean, the reason I ask that is because you and I are both committed to expositional preaching mm-hmm. that, you know, and I'm doing something on Sunday nights now that, you know, we're, we recommended books to our congregation. I'm taking Sunday night mm. and the topic of the book and unpacking why we're recommending it in, on the basis of scriptural teaching. So even if you're committed to expository preaching, this gives you an opportunity to get in the text. I mean, the Baptist Faith and Message itself lists text, scripture text after oh, every yeah, article. Bunches of them. So you'd have plenty to choose from. Um, First Baptist Church Ripley has its own statement of faith. 24 articles, mm-hmm. very succinct articles, based based loosely on New Hampshire Confession. Uh, and I've taught through that, but the one area that I do require knowledge of the Baptist faith and message at this point is 
uh, when deacons are walking through the examination process, mm-hmm. that they're to read both the FBC statement and also the Baptist Faith and Message and like interact that. with it yeah. if they have any questions. And, you know, in the interview process with the pastor and the deacon officers, um, you'd be surprised how many questions come up in their reading of, you know, I was kind of interested in this and hadn't really thought much about that before. And, um, you know, at least on the, the level of lay leadership. You know they've they've looked at it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Oh, I think yeah. it's a good tool, and I think you know it just helps us overall to understand what we believe. So use it. And and I, you know if you're not a you're not a pastor, you're a church member. Uh, we'd encourage you to go talk to your pastor about it. Just say, hey, help us. You know, let, can we go through this together? Can right. you you know small group type stuff? Even if it's not a Sunday night service or something, like that, just a small group. Let's because I want to learn more about what the Baptist faith and message. I think it's a great a great idea. I think I think it'd be good. Yeah. Well, if we're going to close this one down, Matt, I, I think it's appropriate for us to uh, close our podcast with a headline. Yeah. And, you know, in our in our cultural moment, who's not aware of the death of Kobe Bryant? Yeah. And, you know, I he's younger than you and me both uh, by a few years. And, man, it kind of shook me. I don't know about if it shook you or not, but, you know, he's on such a global stage. Everybody knows Kobe Bryant through his um, athletic career in the NBA and his achievements later on in life, kind of what he was doing with his family. He wasn't a perfect guy. He obviously had uh, some issues with fidelity and his wife and those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah. But uh, his 13-year-old daughter was with him. She died in the in the helicopter crash as well. I've read a lot of things online, you know, people reflecting on Kobe and everybody trying to get to the bottom of what happened and this out of the other. And, um Man, it's just it. It's sad. It's really, really sad to see. But it's also you, you got a pendulum, don't you? In some yeah. people use it as a political opportunity. People use it as a yeah. ridiculous, you know, platform to say things. But at the same time, it does remind us of our mortality. That's right. Um, death comes for us all, you know. And are we ready? And I think you know when Jesus talked about that that building falling on those people and they're like, you know, what had, was this because of their sin? And Jesus said, look, you know, are you ready? That's Have right. you repented and, and trusted in the kingdom of God? And so I think, you know, for me to step back and say, man, he's young, you know, this family loses their father and husband. The world is literally mourning uh, in so many different ways. You know, we just can't miss this kind of headline, and our people are thinking about it. They really yeah. are. Yeah, and I think it's necessary with things like that that are that big to to come away with something from it, not just to be saddened by it, but mm-hmm. to maybe to take the moment and to 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 have a takeaway or two. You yeah. know, I, I I was looking at uh, just you know, thousands of videos out there on on Kobe now, and mm-hmm. and and I saw one the other day, and I, my sort of one of my my main takeaway from all of this has been the reason he says in a in a personal interview that was videoed why he bought the helicopter and um and I, I got the I watched that and and his reason for buying the helicopter he said uh was that he got to the point where he could um he could work out in the morning early in the morning he would work out and then traffic to oh, yeah. and from the stadium yeah. to be able to work out and all that kind of stuff and then practice and then come back he said my problem was I couldn't I couldn't get through all the traffic to get there in enough time to practice and then get back to pick up my kids from school mm-hmm. he said so I bought the helicopter so that I could work out in the morning I fly down I practice all day long and I can fly back in the helicopter get back where I'm going and get back in the carpool line to pick up my own kids yeah yeah, and I thought, okay, that was my takeaway. And I thought, no, that's that's really cool, you know, yeah. to to go that route 
he says, simply because of his responsibilities to go pick up his kid in the car rider line. You know, I thought, yeah. no, that's that's all right. You know, that's pretty cool. That's a with as much fame and responsibilities he had. Uh, it seemed that he still had his kids as a, a top priority. Yeah. yeah, and you know, we we're just we're just we have to be left with some unanswered questions. You know, yeah. Yeah. why his life was cut short. You know, when he's got such a platform. Um, doing so many good things, really leaning into his family as a girl dad. So many different things, man. Just, yeah. you know, yeah. you look at that and you're like, man, you know. Yeah. Why Kobe, why now? And um, I, I've always liked the Lakers since I was a kid. Um, well, you're from out there. Yeah, right? I'm from out there. Yeah. I totally understand L.A. traffic, too, man. <laughs> it is, he, he's yeah. very wise. Yeah. If he's got yeah. that kind of quan to drop on that thing. And I don't know if you ever saw the pictures of, of how it was renovated. It was a sharp looking. I, I never saw it, that. No. He had it painted up like a black mamba snake oh, skin. Oh, that's cool. It yeah. was really cool. No, I never saw that. You no, know, he also talked about mamba mentality, and I saw an interview with him on this as well. That it was more than just basketball, but it was uh, passion and devotion to to whatever whatever you do. Mm. And you know, uh, we could even apply. Hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna take the mamba mentality to preach, yeah. to teach, yeah. to share the gospel, to whatever. Even though that wasn't his application necessarily, he opened it up to say, "Look, you be passionate and de- and devoted uh, to to what you are, and you have that mom mentality." Good. I so, like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Well, let me close the podcast, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for um, for being with us on the Gospel Rain podcast. We enjoy this, and we hope it's a help to you. And um, catch us next time on the podcast. We'll we'll uh, we'll go to the next uh, subset of this this article number four. We'll talk further about salvation. We'll see you again next time on the Gospel Rain podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Gospel Rain podcast. We hope you've been encouraged today, and we pray the gospel will reign in your life this week. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or check out our website at gospelrain.com. Mm-hmm.